You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Dr. Matt Bernholtz. I'm joined now by Dr. Jennifer Pratz. She's Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of South Florida, Morsani College of Medicine. She recently presented a lecture called Challenges of the Millennial Teaching Millennials. Dr. Pratz, great to have you with us. Thank you. So, Teaching Millennials, the best part about hearing that, just as a title, and what caught my eye about that, is that I know a number of our listeners would see or hear a title like that and immediately jump to the primal question, which belies their own aging, which is, Millennials are teaching now? <laughs> you know, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thought for a lot of our listeners that millennials are not just out there, but they are in the position of teaching uh, yep. medicine to other people. What's been your experience with that? I am a millennial myself, and I am 31 years old. So now my colleagues who are actually a year older or so than I am, and probably two years younger than I am, are already teaching other millennials, and they have encountered the same issues I've been encountering, which it's very hard to teach people from your same generation when you are yourself surrounded by the Generation X and they think differently. So I'm a millennial and I'm thinking a little bit differently than my own generation, trying to teach my own generation. So it's a little complicated. It is complicated. For the sake of our listeners who might be forgetting where one generation leaves off and the other begins, what is Generation X? What is, what is the millennial generation? So Generation X are from, I think, age 58 until basically 32, 33 years old. Then lower than that, the millennials start. So that's what it is. <laughs> so that's what it is. And you've just made the cutoff. I did. <laughs> I, that's why I feel like my generation, specifically people in their 30s, young 30s, are in that spot where they're a bit of a mix between both generations. They understand certain things of each generation. I see. So you're sort of an X-factor millennial or a millennial X, as it were. Yep. Exactly, yes. What drove you to this particular area of investigation, shall we call it? Personal experience. I started working with residents a year and a half ago, and it's been very challenging. Very rewarding, but very challenging. I had to remember that if I'm giving a lecture to my residents, or even when we're rounding, if they pull out an iPhone, it's not because they're being disrespectful. They're just looking up information. They've grown up surrounded by internet, surrounded by TV, email. They can find information in a second, and they are very impatient, and they do not like waiting. If I make them wait to give them the answer, for example, give me a differential diagnosis for this patient, and they give me two, and I say, what are two more? They go immediately and look for it. It's an instant gratification, basically, that they're looking for. And if I tell them, no, don't look it up now, they get distracted because they're thinking about it. So I realize that it's easier for them to just learn it then and there. I don't see it anymore as a disrespect. But it must have been a shock initially. <laughs> it was very shocking, and sometimes it still is. You are in lectures, and recently our program director said no telephones and no internet while lecturing. It's still being implemented. I don't mean to go against it, but he's not a millennial, and he might be thinking more like a Generation X. And it might be better to allow them to be on the internet while lecturing because they are actually looking up information as the person is speaking. They're multitaskers by nature. So maybe Maybe this needs to be revisited. <laughs> well, certainly when you say the term multitask as a keyword, that seems instinctively like a great advantage to anybody who's practicing medicine who, of course, needs to be able to multitask in this modern day of practicing. I agree. So in some ways, it sounds like it confers a little bit of a benefit, perhaps at the price of being socially apt. <laughs> yes, and you will have residents, obviously, during lectures that are on Facebook or shopping online or something. But I think maybe we can prepare them and tell them if we catch you doing any of these things that are not related to the lecture, there will be a reprimand versus no internet at all and nothing because they keep wondering. It's like when we go to lectures, you have the 
whole lecture and then you have questions and answer at the end. Some people, that's very distracting. They just are thinking about that question they have that they can't answer yet. And then at the end, they basically paid attention to half of what the lecturer said instead of paying attention to everything and looking up, oh, I don't know what this term means. Oh, that's what it means. If that person kept repeating the term they didn't understand and they didn't get to ask what it was or look it up online that second, probably missed half of what you said. And it sounds almost like in the action of trying to multitask through education, of being able to grab information that supplements the information you're hearing live, that there's a demand for more interactivity, a direction, a trend that we're heading in technologically where people are trying to pull their information from multiple sources for it to really sink in, yes. which isn't unheard of mm -hmm. in any period of education where people try to supplement their education. But it sounds like it's becoming more real time now. Is that it correct? is more real time. Like I said, instant gratification. And they learn better the days by group activities. What kind of group activities will come up in your kind of practice among residents? Among residents. So we are doing sometimes interactive stations with a model patient and we run through, for example, hemorrhage after delivery. And we together, we say, okay, so what would you do? And one of them says, I would do this. So what's the next step? And another person jumps in. It's more like a community learning. Now let me take it back a few steps because you talked about the shock of seeing this when you first started teaching residents. But in your your own case, you trained in Puerto Rico, is that correct? Yes. Now, of course, many aspects culturally are analogous to the U.S. in terms of like Florida, where you're practicing now, but there are also many differences, too. Definitely. Did you find that there was a culture shock element in coming into practice and working with residents in the United States? That's a hard question. I came from a smaller hospital, and I did my residency training at Parkland Hospital, which delivered 15,000 babies a year. It was a shock to have to multitask myself, I think, even more than I was used to. And like I said, I'm at that border between millennials and Generation X. I consider myself a little bit closer, I think, to the Generation X, but I also multitask a lot. I think it was more of a shock when I came into residency in the States in a huge program, having to deal with sometimes 36 laboring patients at the same time. This program right now is a little bit smaller, but still very busy. And I don't think the shock was the multitasking for me. The shock was more about having to teach people in my own generation. Hmm. That was more the shock to me when I got to Florida, to Tampa. We talked about some of the challenges in that. What were some of the benefits? I mean, you clearly have a peer group that's already close to your own age that operates in a way perhaps similar to yours. If you've embraced some of the elements of the millennial generation as somebody who crosses both borders. What were some of the benefits of being able to work with people in that same age bracket? I think one of the main benefits is related to the challenges. It's basically what makes them good too. The multitasking, again, I, go, I keep going back to that because I think it's so important. I can understand how we can find something we didn't know at that second. We find it immediately. And they have taught me where to go to find this information. What are better sites for this? I have taught them about some books that are available to them online that they didn't know about. Big traditional books like the Williams Obstetrics that is readily available for them, and they didn't know that. They were more used to the whole Wikipedia, which even, you know, everyone can write on it, and you have to be careful with that, too. So they have taught me where to look more for journals and things like that. I have taught them about more like textbooks. But instead of the real textbook that I'm used to, the hardcover 
very heavy textbook. I tell them where to find it, where they like to find it online. I like that peer interaction, a way of finding the best type of information. Because you say Wikipedia as a catch term, and everyone listening is going to laugh because they're all going to have to admit that, yeah, they, yes. they look up Wikipedia for information. Exactly. And they're going to kind of accept it because unless they see something really out of left field, they're going to know that maybe the populace is sort of keeping a check on it. But I think they are, it's honestly. A, it, they are, you know, but it is a little bit risky. It's peer-reviewed, but not quite a, to the yes. level that we might be exactly. looking for. Exactly. You def- definitely have to be careful. I understand that you also pose some questions to both residents and to colleagues of yours on some of these questions. What were some of the questions that you posed to your residents to start? So basically I asked them what made them happy and what was the most important quality in a teacher or in a student because they also teach medical students who are in their own millennial generation, even younger. And also what main attribute in a teacher or an attending inspires confidence in them and what their favorite way of learning is. So the best answer, or I guess the most popular answer and what made them happy was actually family. This generation of the millennials are very family-oriented. The difference between family and the Generation X and in the millennials is that the Generation X, they're more independent. You would go out, you would do things, your parents were not always on you. And, you know, part of that is because of crime lately, sadly. That's one of the things that has probably influenced the millennials to have helicopter parents. They're always, you know, looking after their children now, feeding information to them. And that's not how they learn, actually. They don't like the being fed the information. They like independence in that sense. So they crave that family attention that they have been getting all their lives. So they go for family as their answer. That's interesting. I thought it was very interesting. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Jennifer Pratz. She's assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of South Florida, Morsani College of Medicine. And we're talking about challenges of the millennial teaching millennials. There's also talk about helicopter parenting, because you mentioned that, as having sort of a negative effect, at least in some business sectors. The millennials coming in and looking for certain types of approval that might not really relate to actually doing the job well. I wonder if aspects of that parenting that seem to come up a lot as hot topics among millennials into medicine, if you've noticed, and it's a little early yet, but if you've noticed any changes or surprises in the way people are trying to either seek approval or to do their job in a way that gains approval. Oh, I've already seen it. Medicine is famous for the hierarchy, as you know. There's senior attendings, more junior attendings, and the residents, the medical students, and it's a hierarchy. And there are certain things that a few years back would be a (laughs) no-go. Like if an attending said, please, you know, go and get these lab results for this patient or something. And if you were doing something else, back in the day, you would say, yes, sir, and you would go do it. Now it's more like a, it's more like a, I'm trying to multitask. And then when they answer that way, if you're more of a Generation X, it's kind of shocking. Instead of the yes, sir, that you're used to getting, it's more like you can take it as a disrespect, but then again, you have to look at what the millennials are. And they're not trying to disrespect you. They're trying to say, I am doing several things at the same time. I'll be glad to do this as well. But it's very hard to, every time somebody asks you to, do something, answer that long, I am doing this and this and this. It's it's a little (laughs) challenging when you're trying to teach sometimes. So whereas it might come off as being either a little obstinate or resistant, from your perspective, after you've kind of had a time to glean through it, it seems like maybe it's just a different way of expressing 
how they're going to try to get things done. Exactly. Uh, maybe not quite emoting it per se, but just uh, putting it out there. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> whether for approval or not. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so the other things I asked, what is the most important quality in a student for the residents when they're teaching? Surprisingly, it's willingness. Some of them wrote willingness only. Some of them wrote, explained it more, like willingness to learn. That's very surprising because when I first started, when they said, I can't do it right now, I'll get to it with this whole multitasking thing, I thought they were not willing to do this. So now they are trying to find these same things I was trying to look for in these medical students now. Do you think it's a misconception of unwillingness, or do you think that actually stems to something else, such as the cramped amount of time in which people have to do things at, within certain time restrictions, but they have to do the same amount of work, so they got to cramp it in that much more? Do you, does, do you think that breeds a sense of either discontent or of unwillingness to really want to jump in the, on the teaching activities? It's very interesting you say that because of the changes in work hours now, all the restrictions, the interns don't work more than, I think it's 16 hours, um, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. And they cannot do 24-hour calls and the 80-hour work week, which doesn't decrease the workload, actually. It just it cramps it. It's true. It cramps it. And I think that's where the millennials, that's why they're so important. They are multitasking. They're doing probably more than the prior generation in an hour. They probably are doing 20 other things at the same time. But it could breed a sense of unhappiness, and that could lead to unwillingness as well. So I think it depends on the person and the situation to be able to say they're unwilling to help or to do their job or they're just unhappy with it or they're just trying to tell you I'm I'm doing it I'm trying as best as I can well it certainly makes sense especially in the context of you're asking them right from the get-go are you happy which doesn't strike me as coincidental exactly um, now what about your colleagues because I think you also pose some questions out to your colleagues I asked my older colleagues or <laughs> My How do we put that in a politically correct my way? My generation yeah. ex-colleagues <laughs> right. about what is the most challenging thing when they teach the new residents, like the ones that have been only around for like three years or so, instead of the ones that they have been teaching, you know, that they taught 10 years ago. They all said something along the lines of the media, the texting, the emailing, all this technology that's readily available to them that they don't read enough, textbooks. They don't seem to understand this need for immediate information. It's interesting because you think that anybody who's in the position of needing to learn for the sake of keeping their job or to advance in the ladder of the hierarchy that you talked about before would instinctively be paranoid about trying to learn things as quickly as possible. That, that strikes me as something that's never changed. But the difference now strikes me that there is now access to that information that could be made readily available even when somebody's standing directly across from you and trying to tell you something. <laughs> Do you think that there is a balance that can be struck in which older attendings who are listening now and younger physicians, either in medical school or in residency, can think of a way in which the two can kind of bridge that gap, that gap in which one side is looking for respect to be bestowed upon them, the other side is looking to make sure that they get the information that they need so that they can continue climbing in their career? Yes. I think for the generation Xers that are listening right now, I think they should, when they lecture residents, they should incorporate time for them to look up certain things. Maybe they can say, this is the scenario of a patient, 24-year-old, G2, P2, status post, a C-section, who has this and this. Guys, can you look up some differential diagnoses? And then they can look it up and tell them. Some of them, and if they only say two, like an example I posed before, what are two more? And then challenge them to look it up right then and there. They will be learning. They are actually learning more by doing that 
than by just staying with that question in their minds and then looking it up later or possibly forgetting to look it up later because they're multitasking <laughs> and it can fall through the cracks. So if they incorporate some internet during their lectures, that could be probably very helpful and they will start looking forward to your lectures. Well, with that excellent thought, I think we can conclude this discussion. It's been a great pleasure talking to Dr. Jennifer Pratt. She's Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of South Florida, Morsani College of Medicine. Again, Dr. Pratt, great to have you with us. Thank you. It was great to have you. Thanks again. Bye. ReachMD is online, on air, and on demand. Remember that you can always download the podcasts on ReachMD.com. And thanks again for listening.